House of Bob is sponsored by Legend 7 Brewing. Based in our hometown of Calgary, Alberta, these guys do a ton to keep us online and keep beers in our fridge. Thanks for listening. I've got some exciting news for you folks. Remember last episode how everybody got attacked by Velociraptors? Well, our album art for that week was made by a fantastic young artist from Italy named Gerard Guzzo. He and I talked a few months ago and I commissioned him to draw the episode cover art, knowing that it would only be a matter of time before the entire party was absolutely destroyed by dinosaurs. Gerard did a great job, and what's more, he sent me the original pen and ink drawing, and I intend to give that original away to one of our lucky listeners. We, of course, appreciate everything you folks do to motivate us and keep us going. It means the world that we get great feedback from the community, whether that be on Twitter, on Reddit, and even in your five-star iTunes reviews. So let's say you want to be entered in a draw for this beautiful dinosaur drawing. What do you do? You're going to go to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or heck, even email us, and you need to answer the following skill-testing question about the House of Annihilation series. You ready? What was the name of Ordeme Brightendark's ship? You remember her, right? Gnomish lady, bad accent, has a ship. We'll give you two weeks. That's until our next episode drops to write in. Again, thanks for all the love. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, five stars only, and tell your friends. And definitely go follow Gerard on Instagram. His username there is at Pecus in Fabula. I don't know, it's Italian. We'll put it in the show notes. Without further ado, here's episode 11 of The House of Annihilation. Last time on House of Annihilation, the crew of the High Havoc discovered the remains of one of their own, along with a taunting message from a new enemy. The group resolves to push forward through the jungle, but something is hunting them. I'm Dan, I'll be playing Liani, Liana, Servana, the Elf Beastmaster. Hi, I'm Jake, I'm playing as Cranston Thorn, the Half-Elf Bard. My name's Alex, and I'll be playing as Horik Jones, the Human Fighter. I'm Christina, and I'm playing Douglas, the Ganassi Evoker. And I'm Sean, your Dungeon Master. If you like what you hear, you can support House of Bob and help us grow by reviewing us on iTunes, buying merch from our Etsy store, or even just telling your friends about us. Roll on. And so now, here we are. Me in the DM chair, all of you, your eyes are glazing over because you know this is when I do my long, boring cutscenes, but not this week. Oh, Tell shit. me when I can listen. This week, you are in immediate danger. You can hear the well-rehearsed and very professional-sounding screeches and roars of dinosaurs rushing towards you. So you have scarcely moments to react. I'm going to need you to roll initiative. Starting up strong with a nine. Cranston's got a nine. 24. Leanna's got 24. Uh, Horik? 21 for Horik. Nice. And Douglas? Three. There you are, Lee, right beside town, right beside the fire. You can see the tree line there, and uh, you can hear from inside of the trees the rustling and the rushing of dinosaurs as they are coming straight at you. From the forest? You can't see anything yet, but you know they're, they're they're just right there. They're coming. Okay, so if I remember, behind us or to the south is the cliff line, right? That's right. And did those look travelable? Your assessment was that, yeah, you probably could scale down it. Uh, it, There's a lot of like that dead coral there that you'll have to get around in order to actually get down it. So it's not like a a slide or anything. It's it's rough terrain. Yeah. Um, Do we need a rope to scale it? Probably. I mean, if you wanted to do it safely. Yeah. I don't know, guys. We kind of got beat up pretty good by those last dinosaur attack. I'm going to head down to the cliffside. Okay. And I'm going to tie a rope to a rock. Okay, sure. 
Uh, and Town will come with me, and Town's going to tie a second rope. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm going to have to reread the ranger rules, because I don't think that's a thing. Yeah, good luck. Horik, your turn. <laughs> Horik is going to get really down close to the ground, get both his weapons out in his hands, and, and listen really closely for what direction they're going to be coming from, so yep. he can hopefully... Uh, Get the drop on them, as it were. So if a dinosaur comes within range, you're going to attack it? You betcha. All right. The Velociraptors begin to emerge. First, you see one of these guys is going to get right up to Douglas. Two medium-sized Velociraptors. These guys are bigger than the ones that you saw yesterday. They're like alpha dinosaurs or something like that. This first one rushes out of the jungle, breaking through the trees, and then pounces at Douglas. It's large hooked claw flashing out as it leaps at you, just grazing just past you, missing you entirely. Wow. <laughs> a second larger velociraptor rushes out just to its left there and ends its move there. And then we've got their small buddies. One, two, three, four, five. One's going to go for Cranston, also missing. This one gets right in between Cranston and Horik, rushing around the fire to get a good leap at his buddy. And Douglas is basically surrounded. We're going to go one attack on Horik. Tries to claw you, misses. Cranston, first Velociraptor, runs up to you and leaps with its claws. With advantage, because pack tactics, we've got a 19 to hit. Eh, sure. It's going to hit for four slashing damage. A second one rushes up to Cranston. With a 21 to hit for five slashing damage. I feel like... I could really use, like, a cougar to help me out around here. (laughs) Yeah, maybe if your highest damage dealer didn't run in the (laughs) opposite direction. Douglas, those two smaller velociraptors join that bigger one right beside you and begin to slash at you. Two claws hit. Uh, We've got a three damage and five damage. Christy, you've got three tiny little velociraptors Mm -hmm. swarming around your knees right now. A fourth one is in closing as well as a bigger one watching from behind. What are you going to do? Are we going with the rope plan? I guess. Was it a plan? It just seemed like something that happened. Works for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to start with the thunder wave yep. to push these guys off me, hopefully. At least two of them. What's the the radius of it? Or it's a 15-foot cube. Okay. So I'll get the two that are above me and be able to push them away. Are you going to hit the big one or the small one for the third? Uh, let's do the big one. What's so my save, DC? It is 14. Constitution? Uh, Constitution. Fail. Succeed. And... Fail. So the the large Velociraptor and one of the smaller ones fail. Cool. And one succeeds. So they take nine damage and are pushed uh, ten feet back. The one that saved just takes half damage. And then they all get pushed back? Or just the ones that... Just the ones that failed. Ten feet? Yep. They get blasted back towards the trees. You can see that the small one is incredibly injured from that blast. Still two, still right at your knees. I'm going to start heading back. Take some attacks for opportunity, I suppose. Yep. Miss and... A crit. Oh. <gasps> oh, shit. Four damage and six damage total. Ouch. And then I shout at Douglas, Douglas, get out of there. And I'll give you a bardic inspiration die. Oh, thanks. You can use that for armor as well. So. <clears throat> good. That's good. Um, Is it my turn now? It is your turn now. Good. So I'm going to cast Blur on myself. Okay. And that's going to give me disadvantage on attacks. Okay. As long as they have eyes. <laughs> They have eyes. Oh, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna move all the way over here. All right, so making three attacks. The small guys would have had advantage because they're swarming creatures. 20 to hit. Second one, 18 to hit. And the big guy, 
Ah, I miss. Aha, finally one of them. A total of 10 damage from those two slashes. Ouchie. That's Douglas's turn. Did Horik get his attack of opportunity when the raptor ran up? He didn't take it, but you can take it because it didn't end up hitting anybody. Horik's going to take a swing at him with his flail. Okay. Eight to hit. That's a miss. And then he'll take a swing with his war pick. 22 to hit. That hits. Eight damage. Nice. Liana, it's your turn. Okay. You just spent your last turn tying a rope onto this rock. Yeah, so we you, can... You feel like it's fairly secure. Uh, over the edge, you've got this forest. It's a fairly steep ridge. I would put it at like 70% angle or 70, 70. degree angle, yeah. like pretty steep. steep. Uh, with uh, coral growing off of the edge. Uh, and, you you know, you've been in the sea for a while. You know that coral's quite sharp. Mm-hmm. All right, Lee's going to step to the side and take a shot with, uh, what do I have? I think a short bow, long bow? I think of a long bow. Medium bow. Yep, medium. So, you know, it, it's average, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, long bow, and I'll take a shot at uh, one of the small ones, the one that's by the fire. Already looking quite hurt. Beside Hork. 13. Hits. 10 damage. 10 damage? Yeah. It is a, a dead zoo. And I'm going to have Town start uh, scaling the rocks by himself. You're just going to push Town to head down the cliff face? Yeah. Have him make an athletics check. 17. Deft like a mountainous predator might be. Deft like a leopard. Did Town just descend on the rope? He's he's not going down the rope. He's just uh, hopping down the cliffside okay. by yeah, like a like, cat would. He's a mountain cat, so we're giving him the, the benefit, benefit of the doubt. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it is now Horik's turn. Horik is going to take a couple steps towards this raptor behind the one that is now Deadzo. Is she moving towards that other one? Yeah. Seems, seems like a bad you. plan. Yeah. Horik's last stand. He's going to take a swing with his flail. Horik, we're running. You might not have to. Yeah, because you'll die. <laughs> 25 to hit. That hits. Eight damage. It is dead. Falls crushed beneath the flail. You only used five feet of movement there. Okay. Um, so you can use up the rest of your movement to do something else if you'd like. Horik's going to move towards this uh, like pack of three raptors here. <laughs> He's mad. going to use his action surge. 13 to hit. That hits. And 8 damage. All right. That one's looking pretty nicely hurt as well there. Perfect. So I'll use my pushing attack then so I can add superiority die to damage. Okay. An additional 6 damage. You killed that one. Nice. It's time for the Velociraptors to go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to move in on yeah, you. Yeah. Th this is the problem. That's <laughs> fine. Is when they get a turn. Okay. First big Velociraptor. A 7 to hit. Doesn't hit. And then a claw coming at you. An eight to hit. Does not hit. Guys, Hork's going to make it. A 13 to hit. Does not hit. Second large Velociraptor rushes at you. It's a little too close for it to get a pounce on you, so it's just going to be making a claw attack. That's 20 to hit. That hits. 10 damage. Small Velociraptor rushes in on you. They're now swarming you. Okay. 18 to hit. That hits. One of the small Velociraptors runs up, scratches you across the leg with a claw for four damage. Okay. I don't know why Horik's like mad at nature. This is just what nature does. This is what this nature does. This is just Horik's nature, though. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> nature versus nature. Uh, 17 to hit. That hits. Three damage. Okay. You guys look over your shoulders as you're, you know, about to descend over the cliff, and you now look back to see Horik surrounded by five Velociraptors. I didn't uh, know him that long. <laughs> <laughs> Now, to be fair, one of those Velociraptors looks fairly injured, but he's holding his own. I just missed on like six attacks. <laughs> so not too bad. Not too bad. If we just uh, leave the rope, could, he's okay. You could probably leave him, leave him to take care of it. <laughs> oh, good. 
Cranston, here's your longtime crewmate yeah. facing down bravely. Cranston lets out the loudest sigh you've ever heard. <laughs> Is that Thunderwave? <laughs> uh, he moves a little closer just so he can work his magic. Yeah. Uh, and then he works some literal magic. Um, we're going to cast Bane. Ooh. Cranston clutches his holy symbol of Bashaba and bestows terrible luck upon three of those raptors. So the two big ones and the one to the left, let's say, they make charisma saving throws. Okay. <laughs> they can't be that cares. Um, um, that's what I'm banking on. <laughs> uh, a 10? Nope. Three? Nope. Two. So they all fail. They have to subtract 1d4 on every attack roll. Oh, nice. For one minute. Very nice. And then, uh, Horik, you get a bardic inspiration die as well. Douglas, this unexpected bravery from this crew of pirates has caught you off guard. Yeah. Are you going <laughs> to abandon them like you did your last crew? Or what? <laughs> wow, you know better than anyone that's not true. I'm going to sidestep over this way mm-hmm. to get a little closer, and I'll attack that small guy up in front, and I am going to ice knife a motherfucker. <laughs> 19. That'll hit. Douglas is nine damage on that what? motherfucker. That Velociraptor takes a couple ice knives to the flank and... Oh, good job. The Velociraptors are piling up. Liana, it is now your turn. Uh. <laughs> we had a perfectly risky escape plan set up, guys. <laughs> All right. Lee is going to shoot her arrow at the big guy to the left. Sure. But I'm going to add a little something on it. Okay. Um, I'm going to use Ensnaring Strike. Ensnaring Strike. Tell us about Ensnaring Strike. The next time you hit a creature with a weapon attack, the target must succeed on a strength save or be restrained until the spell ends. Nice, and he has Bane on, so he's going to get a minus 1d4 to this roll. Cool. And while he's restrained, he'll take uh, 1d6 piercing damage. All right, so let's see if it hits. 17. That hits. 10 damage just from the arrow alone. Looking pretty hurt. Let's see if he's pinned to the ground or not. This is a strength saving throw. Yep. He rolled a 12, so he made it. Yeah. Right. So he's not pinned. Not entangled. Okay. But fairly hurt. Town runs a little further down the cliff. Yep. And I'll do another acrobatics. Just 10. He is okay. All right, Horik, your bravery has roused the troops. Inspired them a little bit. Yeah. Horik's going to take a swing at this littler velociraptor in the middle. That one's pretty injured, is it not? Yeah. With his flail. 17 to hit. That hits. Okay. Eight damage. But dead. And then he's going to take a swing at the smaller one to his left. Yeah. 25 to hit. That hits. 11 damage. Also but dead. Nice work. And then he's going to use his second wind to heal. Sweet. Seven hit points. Nicely done. Okay. There we go. Two remaining larger velociraptors, these alphas. Yeah, uh, we just killed all their kids, though. They see that they're in danger, and they run. Horik, you get an attack of opportunity. Yeah, you hit. Okay. Six damage, and I'll use my Bardic Inspiration die. Eight damage. Just enough. You guys have decimated all but one of that pack. Horik yells, yeah, you fucking run. Yeah. Keep walking, bitch. Go home to your family. Oh, wait, we just killed them all. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez Louise. Oh, my God. Lee looks at uh, Cranston. <laughs> Not cool, Cranston. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just a little worked up. <laughs> nice work. Take a short rest. Douglas heals for seven damage while he sighs <laughs> at his companions. Oof. Been a long day of killing. And so, 
You guys rest amongst the uh, various splayed bodies of the dead velociraptors that have been hunting you for the better part of a week. Really? <laughs> that we didn't find out about till like, last night. <laughs> oh, we heard all those uh, like strange noises yeah. and we saw flashes of movement and stuff. I remember yeah. now. We were totally cool with it though. Yeah. You guys pack your bags, you get ready, you start heading down into the mass of dead coral, rainbowy colored, fracting light and reflecting the sunlight into your eyes and, and the reds and blues and oranges of this kind of forest of coral around you as you're climbing down kind of mesmerizes you. You guys are all, of course, doing your best to work together. You're passing equipment up and down. You're securing ropes. You're helping out town to get through the mass. You're doing your crew work. This is almost like being back on the ship from for the three of you that are, you know, we're on the ships. Yeah, no boat, though. No boat. The boat that will carry us across this canyon is the friendship. The boat that was that inside took us you all a real long time to get to that. Yeah. Horik, as you are heading down, you feel good about your success this morning. You feel actually like you've earned some inspiration. Awesome. You can mark on your character sheet that you have one inspiration. Basically, you can spend that any time to gain advantage on a roll. I look at Horik and I feel inspired. Nope, you don't. <laughs> you were a coward. <laughs> as you guys are making your way down through and then back up the gorge, I'd just like everybody to pick a skill or spell or action that they're doing that's going to help people and the crew get across safely. I'm going to use my nature skill. Okay. Just find the best path. You're looking for the best path with the nature? Yep. Ten. Okay. You are making your way through and you are noticing that some of the coral is already broken off. You find this cluster of coral nearby where the tops of all these pieces have been smashed or cut off in some way and it just looks a little bit odd or out of place compared hmm. to the rest. I'm going to do an investigation. I just want to see if I can... Uh, I'm going to make you roll it. Okay. You kind of make your way over there. It's only 10 or 15 feet away from your path. Mm -hmm. And right in the middle of this broken mass of coral, you find this twisted and decaying corpse. It's a human-sized, like medium-sized creature, but it's bird-like. There's all these feathers clustered around it. It obviously has these wing-like structures coming off of its arms. Its head is like an eagle's head with a full beak and, and hmm. large, large eyes that have been eaten out by insects. So long dead though? Maybe make a medicine check. 12. 12? Yep. Okay. You think it's probably been dead for maybe two or three days not really long time and douglas if you take a look at it too you can do an investigation for sure 14 you're inspecting the body you're taking a look at some of the wounds on it you're looking inside the clothes and stuff like that because it does have a vest and like a pair of pants on you can see that some of the worst wounds on the body it's as if they were inflicted out of cruelty almost in their administration there's these broken chunks of stone embedded in the creature's neck and shoulders and their and even calves find little fragments of rock wedged into the long wrens along the chest it seems to you like these wounds were meant to cause pain not death and it probably wasn't inflicted by the coral because you know there's obviously like rock embedded in it and it doesn't look like it rolled a whole lot once it hit can i pull one of the rocks out sure take maybe a pair of your tweezers or something like that for your spell components and pull a piece out make a nature check on it 19. Nice. You are taking a close look at this and you are noticing that the stone embedded here doesn't appear to be terrestrial. It almost seems like to be an elemental form of earth, probably from another plane of existence. Whoa, guys. 
Never seen an elemental before? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you might have probably seen water elementals. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, that's every day, right? That, yeah. Everyone's seen a water elemental. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. I thought you were a water elemental. <laughs> My neighbors are water elementals, right. you know. So are we like to believe it was like shot out of the sky and like landed here? Seems very deliberate. Absolutely. Like the way the wounds are inflicted, it's like the torture. Bird creature that Yeah, um, did, like did a, did a sentient You know what? The, the nature the nature checks that you yeah. guys have made are enough to know that this is an Aarakocra. I'm not sure what that is. An Aarakocra is uh, actually a native creature to Chalt. Mm-hmm. They are bird people. Yeah. Like humanoid bird creatures that right. have the power of flight and you've heard some rumors about them having settlements within the jungle, but you haven't come across them before. Right. I don't think this is anything we should worry about at all. <laughs> Onward we go. <laughs> Nothing to worry about You're here. You're such a good guide. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that there's anything we can do about that except be on the lookout for evil elementals. When I was investigating, did I find any like identification in his pockets or anything like that? No, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah, he doesn't even have any gear on him. It's just his simple clothing. Mm. Hmm. I must mean he has a village nearby, though. Probably. Yeah, you're right. He's not yeah. traveling far. That's a fair point. Or he was taken from his village. Maybe they live in amongst the canyon here, so we should keep an eye out on the rest of our journey down and up. That was Liana's uh, skill right. skill challenge or skill mm-hmm. role. Hork, what would you be doing out here to help your friends get in and out of this canyon? Hork would probably use his extraordinary athletic ability to run up ahead of the rest of the group and test the footing of mm-hmm. places and make sure it's safe for everyone else to proceed. Because if Horik, this like 280 pound hulk of a man pounds 280 pound hulk of a man yeah Yeah, he broke the rope on the way down (laughs) yeah if if he can get down there safely it's definitely safe for for everyone else you're like a linebacker or something yeah he's a huge dude that's massive huge dude all right so yeah you better roll in athletics as you didn't sink our boat (laughs) it was a big boat it was a ship 18 All right. You're running a little bit ahead. You're testing the ground. You're maybe pulling some gear through like a rough area and you end up coming up to the skeletal remains of this massive aquatic creature. Um, As we said last episode, there were all these whale carcasses and dinosaur skeletons that were left among the coral as the water vacated the gorge. And you can see that this one's got this really long skinny neck. It's at least 30 feet long attached to this huge round cage of ribs. Nearby are some bones that you recognize as being part of this beast flippers. And you're about to continue on when you start to hear this ephemeral voice. It's like rushing water. It's echoing yawns and warbles. You're having trouble making out the words. It's it's like... Is this something Douglas might be able to help me understand? Uh, maybe. You rush back to him. You you repeat the words. Uh, Douglas, do you speak Aquan? Yes. Douglas tries to repeat some of the words for you. And the one that you can make out, Mohanatam, is the Aquan word for blue death. Mm. I wasn't friends like I hope it was. <laughs> <laughs> That's not great. Blue death, you know, that sounds bad. <laughs> Orc is a little unsettled. Yeah, for sure. Douglas or Cranston, what are you guys doing? Cranston tries uh, bluffing gravity, (laughs) (laughs) but that doesn't work. So he looks at his other skills and whoever's the weakest climber, he cast Bear's Strength on to help him out. I imagine it's probably uh, Douglas. Yeah, Yeah. Douglas for sure. You'll get advantage on your climbing checks. Hooray. And and you can carry twice as much. You are bolstering Douglas's strength. You are trying to give him as much opportunity as you can to succeed here. And you're focusing on Douglas's success so much that you don't notice that you actually get scratched up by the coral. The sharp edge 
leaves a long running cut up your arm Ugh. and it quickly begins to throb and burn. It's almost like you had salt or citrus poured into it. Right. That sharp pain. That's probably um, bad. <laughs> so Cranston, you'll give me a wisdom saving throw. Yeah. 19. As you're walking along, trying to nurse this scratch that you've got, scratching at it from the whatever is causing that throbbing, your vision starts to kind of wobble and waver a little bit and you see ghostly lights, kind of like an aura or something like that. Mm. But that starts to fade away and you're... You're fine. Okay. I take a moment to regain my composure and wrap up the wound and try to carry on. Okay. Douglas. I guess I can investigate the coral to figure out what's going on with it. So you're trying to determine if it has special properties? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do an investigate. It's definitely something special. Poison. 16 investigate. You're seeing the effects that it's having on him and definitely there's some sort of toxin or something like that in the effect of this coral and you think maybe if you made some arrowheads out of it or something like that Mm. or even like a small dagger. They might be fragile, but it might be able to have some sort of effect. We had collected some of it. Yeah, we did last that time. before. Yeah. yeah, when we were in camp. Yeah, you know that you could then take that coral and you could probably turn it into something useful. Cool. cool. You guys spend basically the entire day crossing the gorge. Oh, it's way bigger than I thought. Well, it's 150 feet down through scary coral, sharp stuff, and then 150 feet has up. has to be careful. That's fair. It's not the easiest going, but you manage to get to the other side and probably at this point are reasonably confident that velociraptors would not follow you across that. (laughs) They're smarter than we are. (laughs) Plus they're all dead. Well, not all of them. Except for dad. And you guys, (laughs) you guys look forward and you can see that the mountains lie just 10 miles ahead of you. Just so tired of walking. I know. Yeah. Get ready to walk underground. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's when I am going to cast crate water and we're going to fucking slip and slide through that (laughs) mountain. How much water does it create? (laughs) (laughs) Not much, but we're going to keep going with it. Right. Assuming you would set up camp here, do another long rest. Are we in the canyon? You are out of the canyon. You're on the south side of it Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. All right. I'll do first watch. I'll take second watch. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Cranston has whatever that poison is, like jungle fever or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. Could have to get to bed early tonight. (laughs) Still seeing some lights. (laughs) 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 All right. Uh. Cranston goes to sleep. <laughs> so, Lee, you are uh, hunkering down to do your meditation for the night. Uh, the sun's starting to set, and you see, flying over the gorge in the distance, five huge, pointy, leathery-winged dinosaurs just kind of soaring along gracefully. So it's not the bird people? Not the bird people. These definitely look like flying dinosaurs. So you could roll a nature check to see if you know something about them. Sure. 11. They're dinosaurs, for sure. Yeah. They're just too far away to really get a good beat on them. You relax, watching the graceful creatures fly into the distance. Made some of those arrowheads for you, Lee. Sweet. Poison arrowheads. Let's say you got five coral arrowheads. They would do D4 poison damage. The rest of the night passes without incident. In the morning, the mountain tunnels lie ahead of you, and you guys head on towards them. Heading towards the mountain foot, you can see that this is part of a long range of mountains that you can see on the map that Cinder gave you is called the Kobold Mountains. You are getting closer and closer and you start to see the ruins of dwarven made highways. They are so well made that even the ravages of the jungle, as fast growing as it is, have not been able to grow through it. And you are able to pick up your pace a little bit because now you have a road to go on. Finally. (laughs) Yeah, that's nice. And now that you've found that, it actually is quite a simple task to find the entrance to the mines. You travel for maybe half the day when you get to the end of this road. The entrance to the mines is a 10-foot tall 
arched doorway beneath a massive carved relief of a crossed hammer and tongs. You can see that there are two iron doors fitted to the entrance, but one lies on the ground, completely rusted off its hinges, and the other is sagging so badly that it appears it could just fall off at any moment. Obviously, this has been under poor repair for a long time. Several buildings stand outside the doors, but they've been reduced almost to their foundations, either by time or by someone disassembling them. Well, only way forward is through. Yeah. I like roads. They feel civilized. You guys are heading to go through the entrance when you hear some running feet behind you and, and a, wait! I pull out my longbow. No, don't, don't fire, don't fire. I might, my name is Sithi Vinecutter. Are you going into the vine? Are you going into Harakamar? Who are you? Wait, you said that. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I said, Sithi Vinecutter. You can see that this person is a dwarf, but they are of an incredibly pale complexion. Their hair is white, their beard is white, their skin is white. Eyes are this like pinkish red color. Oh, he's albino. Uh, he is albino. In fact, the four friends behind him are also albino. What? And this distinctly reminds you of one of the guides that you saw in town, uh, Musharib. His buddies come out behind him. Are you going into Rakamar? It's the quickest route for us. Yeah. Are you mad? No. Not yet. You're making me mad. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, it's like that. Is it it's just a nonstop comedy clusterfuck? <laughs> I guess you can just go by yourself then. Uh, no, we are not mad, but it is the quickest way to our destination, good friend. Um, look, Rakmar is our home. It's been abandoned for years since the fire newts drove us out. Fire newts? If you're delving into the caves anyways, maybe... May we go with you? We need to reclaim some of the lost artifacts of our people, maybe even, hopefully, drive out the fire newts. You can see that they're all wearing some armor, at least some hide armor, and mm. all carry hand axes, so. Where did you guys come from? You just kind of appeared, like, behind us we real were, quick. We were camped out in the jungle. We wanted to be off the road in case some of those gargoyles flew overhead. Oh, so you were about to go in anyway. Well, we were hoping to. Did you say gargoyles? Yes. Like, actual gargoyles, or is that just a... A no, term you're using. Is that colloquial? Actu- actu- no, it's not. It's actual gargoyles. Interesting. Hmm. Could I do an insight? Just get a feel for this sure. guy? 10 for Cranston. Seems good. You guys are like, yeah, this is all above board. These dwarves want to be underground. Well, we knew, um, I guess it was Musharib. Is Musharib, yeah. Musharib. Part of his quest was to get to a dwarven vault and reclaim it. So yeah. we know at least there's some truth to the story, probably. They have this manic look of like refugees. Oh, okay. I'm going to ask the hard question. Okay. Um, oh, no. Why are you guys albinos? That's... You don't ask that. Oh, my God, Lee. We are all albinos. That is what albino dwarves Okay, are. so that's just... It's our entire... You're naturally like that. The race yes. is that way, yeah. There's some, some dwarves are mountain dwarves. Some dwarves are hill dwarves. Some are shield dwarves. We are albino. It is merely how Moradin blessed us with our unique abilities. Dope. Sithi, what do you expect we'll find in there other than fire newts? Uh, lava. <laughs> I'm being honest, there's there's a big magma pit. How are you uh, guys so albino? <laughs> we live underground. Yeah. No, I know, but with the lava, I would yeah, think. But lava doesn't <laughs> give lava you doesn't UV light. Emit, yeah, it doesn't emit ultraviolet rays. <laughs> I wonder if that's true. I'm pretty sure that's true. It's pretty true. <laughs> if anyone's listening in there, not sure, Google it and tell us. No, don't email us. <laughs> email email your UV magma facts to magmafax at hobcast.com. See, 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 Deshaun. Cranston puts Damn. on his solar eclipse glasses. <laughs> I'm going to ask another hard question. Can albinos get sunburns? Yes, that's why we were under the shade of the trees. Oh, okay. 
So you're uncomfortable right now. I'm pretty uncomfortable right All now. All right, let's go. It seems like the least important line of question. <laughs> I thought you were going to get down to hard-hitting facts. These, these questions are making Horik uncomfortable. <laughs> Horik would be uncomfortable. Where did the lava newts come from? I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I would hope so. A red dragon attacked the Wormheart mine, and then our clans were separated from our ally dwarves that were mining out the Wormheart, and the fire newts kind of, you know, just congregate wherever there's, you know... Lava and dragons. Does this dragon still reside in the mines? He resides in the mine, which is like on the very south end of the mountain range. Is that where the exit we're trying to get to is? I think so. Quite possibly. But Sithy doesn't know that. Well, you're on your own. Good luck, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we, we need to go that way anyway. All right. Any other important questions? What are the your other names? Tuntha, Segror, and Albinox. All right, Tuntha, Sithi, Segror, and Alphanox, <laughs> let's roll out. We are now in Hrakamar. So there you are in the mine. You guys have a path that heads to the left, path that heads forward. Both of the mine carts kind of come from your left and head ahead of you. And then there's also an open path to the right, no cart. Sithi, which way would it be to your vault? The vault is ahead, across the bridge, across the magma pit, and to the right. We have to go through the forge in order to get there. So ultimately, we're trying to go south, I think? Yes, to the to the mines? You want to go to the Wormheart mines? Uh, no. <laughs> Not per se. <laughs> no, so it's just but you're of- going deeper into the mountains. That is where we're trying to go. What kind of treasures in the vaults? It is the ancient gold and adamantium and silver of weapons? our people. There are weapons. We've been crafting weapons for hundreds of years here. I'd be more than happy to compensate you if you assist us. Oh. I think if we can get something heat-resistant, dragon-resistant, it'd be worth it to make yeah. a detour. Okay. I think we need to yeah plan for the uh, long term. We're going to your vault with you. So you guys come through on the track there overlooking a huge cavern of molten magma. Uh, you can see it's bubbling out there. There's flames geysering up from the from the magma. The cavern walls here are lined with these big metal gantries, and that's what the it also supports the tracks. Douglas, you can just make out to your right there. There's a crane mm. that hangs over part of the magma that's used to actually lift or transport or dip huge vats, like these huge multi-ton buckets of ore. The heat here absolutely takes your breath away. Let's bring water to your eyes. I'm like evaporating. Yeah, you're like evaporating. It's baking your skin. Uh, from where you stand, the only obvious way across is across this stone trestle built for the rail carts. And you can hear ahead of you the sound of rhythmic hammering coming from somewhere across the rift. Siffy, who do you expect might be making that hammering sound across the way? The, the forges are partly automated. Oh. But the... I, I wouldn't put it past, past the fire newts to attempt to smelts ore and create their own weapons and work the forges of themselves. Oh, they're, oh, they're smarter than I thought. They're somewhat intelligent. They're they're tool users at the very least. I oh, they're tools. Wouldn't give they? them too much respect. They're still beasts. Got them. Yeah. Take that. Cool. Did you want to check out where town was heading there? There's like a little <laughs> alcove there. I don't think there's anything important there. Okay. But you we, can see down that way that there's actually like kind of like a cloud of dense low smoke down that right pathway. That's spooky. Hork continues across the bridge. I wait till he gets across. He takes a little look over and spits yeah, into Hork, the lava. Yeah, Hork, can you just jump up and down a bit? 
The trestle's like definitely very sturdy. Okay. You, it's wide enough that you're not having to make like checks or anything when you go across. Nice. But you can see that that magma is just ten feet below you. Wow. It's very very hot. You guys cross the bridge and you see another tunnel stretching off to the left. The rail cart continues along the left through this narrow tunnel. It's pretty tall actually, about ten feet high of a tunnel, but very tight left and right, just enough to get a minecart through. Feel free to describe what you're doing or feeling while you're in here. I'm just trying to get away from the lava. That's why I'm so far ahead. <laughs> you're trying to get further ahead? Yeah. Okay, so uh, going further away from the lava, further deeper in. Douglas, I can't see you anymore. You're past the bend. I'm turning into steam. I'm moving ahead, my friend. <laughs> Douglas, you can now see right out over the magma pit. Opposite side there, there's another gantry on the other side. I sigh when I see the more, there's more lava. Like <laughs> there's lava everywhere. It's kind of ridiculous. And then ahead of you, sort of a Y intersection where the minecarts go off in two different directions. One way it goes to your right, one way it goes ahead of you. Another crane overlooks the magma to your left. And to your right, you can hear that hammering louder and louder inside what Sithy warns you is the smelting room or the forge. Uh, so the hammering sound grows louder. It's coming from the enormous chamber to your side. You can feel kind of how big it is, how echoey it is. Douglas is just in the right position there to see what's going on, that there's actually a number of newts in here working away at the smelter. The music in this episode was produced by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. It's one of the other major inconsistencies in our campaign. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, it absolutely is. What's Lee's name? What gender is your animal companion? Can does we... it matter? No, what really. accent does Horik have? What accent does Horik have? <laughs> What's his last name? Yeah. Yeah. Horik Joe! I mean, that we know. Yeah, that's yeah. the only constant. That's... Can Lee really speak to the undead? Find out next time. <laughs>